You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? It is episode 28. We are two away from our group movie watching. Get excited, friends. <laughs> uh, we don't know what we're going to watch yet, but there are some candidates out there, um, including Dragon Ball Evolution is the last oh, one God. we were talking about. And as oh, you can God, tell... But, it would be so horrible, but so hilarious <laughs> at the same time. Uh, that brings us to our intros. I am your host, Mike. I am joined by... Ooh, I haven't told you guys. that. Um, let's go... Let's... I don't know. We always go ladies first, so Andre, you're first. <laughs> okay. Hi. Wow. Uh, very classic joke. Hi, I'm Andre. How you doing? <laughs> Jill, I'm Does joking. This is, this has already gone off the rails. We're off to a great start. Hey, I'm Mitchell. That's your Mitchell impression? That, that's pretty good. A little southern twang in there. Was there a twang? That was an accidental twang. I heard some twang in there. Tubular deep. Oh my gosh. There you go. Intro, classic. Yeah, off to a great start. Okay, so I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this now because I forgot to do this in this long prep. I've been recording for 30 minutes of our long prep already, and um, I forgot to tell you the order. So we're going to go Andre, Mitchell, Jill, myself, because that's usually how you sit at the table. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, just a few things before we get started, though. What are we drinking, friends? We'll go with Andre. Uh, I am drinking a Jersey Sunset, uh, which is a cocktail. The key ingredient is Laird's Blended Applejack Brandy. It's pretty good. Oh. Very tasty. Nice. It looks, it looks good. good. Uh, Mitchell, what are you having over there? Yeah, so every year for Lent, I'm not a practicing Catholic, but the one thing that I still carry on into my adult life is Lent and sacrificing something for 40 days. And for me, it's beer pretty much every year. And that's why I'm drinking water. So nice. shout out to water and staying hydrated. I saw that liquid. I think it's vodka. Mm-hmm. Straight, straight it's vodka. So vodka just mm, goes down so smooth. <laughs> I mean, vodka's not beer. The water of the Russians. It's very true. Very true. I've always said for like a New Year's resolution, I'm going to drink more clear liquids. And that just means like I can drink gin and vodka instead of beer. <laughs> and tequila. And tequila, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's better than beer for you, right? Yes. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Jill, what are you drinking over there? Um, I am drinking uh, Herbal Paris. This is a Harney and Sons tea. Paris is one of their most popular bestsellers. Nice. As the name implies this is the herbal blend, and it is quite good. Mitchell, with regards to Lent, does this mean you do a yearly watching of the Josh Hartnett classic, 40 Days and 40 Nights? Absolutely not. This is as far <laughs> as I take it. <laughs> I this think it's is, time for you to give that movie a re-examination. This is a me time and exercising uh, self-discipline. I think is a muscle that we could all benefit from using once in a while. And <laughs> subjecting myself to an over-the-top Christian movie is probably not one of those things for me. Is, I've yeah. never actually seen it. Is the movie like no, overtly religious? I have no idea. I have no fucking Wait, idea. Wait, isn't 40 Days and 40 Nights? I thought it was a vampire movie. Is that true? No, well, that, well, no, you're I, thinking of the other Josh Hartnett vehicle. Oh, is that no? That's like Forty Days of Night or something like that. Well, I'll yeah. say vampire stories are inherently uh, laced with Christianity symbology. 
um, are Christian symbols. Oh. So, maybe. You ready? Here we go. I got it. Uh, after a brutal breakup, a young man vows to stay celibate during the 40 days of Lent, but finds the girls of his dreams and is unable to do anything about it because you can't fall in love with somebody without having sex. If you can. I know. That's, that's that was, dumb. yeah. When did this movie, when did this movie come out? 2003? Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. In 2002, I guess. Close uh, my friends and so. I will not be watching that movie. No, that, that sounds awful. Uh, oh, thank you. I don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, Mitchell. I hate it. Sorry, Mike. Oh, you're good. No worries. No, I'm letting this this happen. <laughs> Uh, don't worry, Mitchell, I am taking one for the team. I have a full growler over here. Um, so on Wednesday nights, I host trivia at Reverie Brewing. I have bought a growler of their Pug New England IPA. And it is, uh, it is fantastic. I'm also drinking it in a Blackhawk beer, uh, mug. So I've got all the Connecticut bases covered and I've got my yard goat shirt on. Go Connecticut. Look at you. Now name an iconic Connecticut food and you're all set. Steamed cheeseburger. There it is. That's That's really the only one. There's uh, the white clam pizza. Yeah, I was going to say, that was the first one that came to mind for me. Yeah. I guess it's a white sauce on a pizza, right? Yes. It's actually really good. I don't know. I like clams, so I was into it, but I could see how, if you're not, that's a tough sell. I can say that Claire likes it. Yeah, I I can say that Claire likes it. I'm not a huge fan myself. Uh, Claire will also be joining us later, friends. Uh, She will be jumping in on hashtag cash or trash. Yeah. Uh, So let's jump into the movie reviews. Uh, Andre, you have a twofer for us? Uh, Two very brief twofers because these are both kind of movies that I don't feel... I don't have any emotions for, right? <laughs> so, you have an uh, emotion for one of them. Yeah, so I'll start with the uh, I'll start with the, the our Valentine's Day special real quick. Uh, since Jill and I uh, spent our Valentine's Day together indoors, as the, was the responsible thing to do, uh, <laughs> we decided to try to dig the the depths of Hulu streaming for uh, a suitable Valentine's Day movie, and we landed on Date Night, the classic 2010 rom com starring. One Tina Fey and Steve Carell. I'm pretty sure it's Tony Ten. I should probably have this out. Tony Ten as well. Um, and yeah, um, so I don't know. Like we went into this pretty, you know, like I don't know. I would say measured expectations, and I felt very wound. It was kind of a nothing movie, and I'm struggling to remember the plot details right now. Um, but you know, it was perfectly acceptable. Tina Fey and Steve Carell. They have good chemistry. Um, they there's you know uh, I got a few chuckles out of it um and yeah i don't know i kind of forgot about it quickly the most interesting thing about it to me was all of the cameos of up-and-coming comedians like there's one very young nick kroll is the uh, the host of the super fancy restaurant they're trying to get a uh, a meal at and so it was kind of fun to see him pop up um bill burr is in this movie and i feel like they just forgot to write jokes for him so like because like he's in it but he's just a very like serious like like straight man character like he's the, the basically Steve Carell and Tina Fey get wrapped up they try to have a fancy date night out in New York City at a fancy restaurant they steal somebody's reservation and because of that they get caught up in a you know a mafia scheme and it's all these sorts of crazy antics and does, uh, Bill Burr just what's up what, what accent does Bill Burr have is it Boston no, or no, Space Boston it's I'm pretty sure it's Space Boston because <laughs> I mean I don't really know how a Boston 
Bostonian would show up as a New York City beat cop, but it still <laughs> sounds like Bill Burr, so... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he plays. He basically plays the beat cop that's like the partner to the good cop that's trying to figure out how these two, how Tina Fey and Steve Carell got into this mess. And he's, I don't know, I just thought it was striking that he has no funny lines. It's very strange. Okay. Anyways, hmm. uh, not to harp too long about this movie. It's It was fine, it was watchable, but it does not enter the, the halls of the cl- classic Valentine's Day movies that I could watch over and over again. Fair. Um, yeah, I can, I'll, I will second, but... It was not horrible, but it was also very forgettable. Um, yep. But yeah, uh, regarding what Andre was saying, it was really, rather interesting to see all like the young up and coming talent, um, or like people oh. who had just about to like become very, very, very famous are in it. Like Al Gadot is in it. Al Gadot, yes, and her cameo is really weird. Yeah, Gal Gadot's in this movie. Okay. Um, so she, oh, well, so I guess the, the we, we mentioned it before, but they run into Mark Wahlberg, who plays the super handsome guy with the super sick penthouse. name, too. I can't remember. What's his, what's his fucking name Holbrook. again? Holbrook. Oh, Holbrook, Holbrook Grant. Holbrook yeah. Grant. That's his, that's his character's name. Okay. And he's like this super, like, basically he answers that, like, Tina Fey is like, oh, I know this guy. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll come and give us shelter for a little bit. And they go, and he answers the door, and he has his shirt off. He's like, they're like, oh, hey, like, whoa, so nice to see you again. Like, whoa, and it's supposed to be like, oh, man, Steve Grove's jealous of Marky Mark and everything. Can't imagine why. Yeah, right. And then while that's happening, Gal Gadot shows up, like, randomly, like, walking down, like, in basically in, I think, Mark Wahlberg's shirt. And, like, and underwear. And, like, she's, like, she doesn't say say any English. She just talks to uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg says, like, oh, yeah, this is an Israeli model I picked up, uh, you know, a few months ago. And she just says, like, oh, are we supposed to have sex with those two? And then promptly leaves. And that's it. Nope, it was, it was Wonder a Woman. really bizarre cameo for Gal Gadot. Yeah. Okay. Kind of crazy. Did she bust uh, out the lasso and the... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no, no truth-telling lasso. No, no, um, no heartfelt um, uh, metaphors to the entire world. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Heartfelt no, metaphors to the moment. entire world. I will say... We, what, originally what I wanted us to watch was Valentine's Day, but it was not available right. anywhere for free, and we were not purchasing that. That is and that is also why it didn't. It. It's also I why it didn't Valentine's make the. Valentine's uh, Day, and I would say that date night is better. Yeah, that's not also. Much, but better. I know when I lost the challenge, uh, we were talking about doing Valentine's Day movies, and you had suggested Valentine's Day. That is the reason why I did not make the poll for the final four movies. Uh, mostly because it's not streaming anywhere, and I'm not spending yeah, right. money on that garbage. It's yeah, exactly. Garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you do plenty worse. I didn't hate myself after watching it, but I also forgot a lot of the details. So uh, I'm going to clock this one in at two hmm, two computer stick uh, stick stick dongle thingies, whatever Tina Fey called it, a flash drive. Yeah, computer stick thingies out of five. Computer stick there thingies. Go. Okay. Yep. Okay. What yep. was the second one? Okay, and then this is going to be a lightning round. Uh, Jill and I, just last night, finished our Fast and Furious journey by watching The Fate of the Furious. So oh. now we've seen all of the films, of the Fast and Furious films, including Hans and Shaw. Hashtag Fate um, Night. Yeah, Fate <laughs> Night, exactly. And, you know, I had a lot of fun, but that does not mean I think this movie is very good. Uh, <laughs> um, it's very much, I think, number one off the top, the, the worst thing this movie does for me is that it wastes Charlize Theron. Like, I yeah. feel like her villain was not very interesting at all. 
Um, her whole entire trope is that she's an elite hacker lady, which already is the uphill battle for me to get invested because having a hacker trope is already super tired, and it's been played out in the same fucking movies because, what was it? Um, I'm in. Uh, oh, what's that? I'm in. Natalie something rather. Uh, she played the, the Missandei's character. Missandei, Missandei's character. She was in the previous movie as an elite hacker, and so she's brought in as the crew now. What what is her what's her character's Ramsey. name? Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Emmanuel. Yeah. And so like it's already a trope that this movie has this movie franchise has already gone to, and Charlie Theron's whole shtick is that she just kind of whisper like she kind of talks like she's whispering almost all the time, and she's just saying like oh it's all about choice. Oh, you all, you have a choice in this, Dom. Like blah blah blah, and the whole entire trope is that Dom. Oh man, Dom is Dom. Dom's turned on the on the crew now. Now the crew has to fight Dom, and that's fun for a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I to me, these movies, I get directly invested in them depending on how good the villain is. I actually liked Fury Seven a lot because Jason Statham's so much such an easy character to like, mm-hmm. and um, I'm they're all kind of meshing together for me. Whatever the whatever movie introduces. Um, the Rock's character. I think that's Fast Five, right? Um, yes. That one is also probably looking back now a highlight of the series for me because he he as an antagonist works really well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I love Charlie Stone a lot, and so I was super disappointed that the script did not give her more to work with because I was not invested in her scenes at all. Um, and then you know, outside of that, it just felt like. I mean, you know, this is the eighth movie in the franchise. It does feel like they're just kind of trying to check off, like check off, you know check boxes like okay like we we have like our you know our our uh obligatory drag race at the beginning you know yeah okay like we're, we're going all over to these random locations okay like around the world cool check we have a fun hacking moment check uh tyrese like says some funny shit and everyone makes fun of him he's become just the butt monkey of this group now everyone just basically makes fun of tyrese and it's kind of funny but um <laughs> And you're forgetting yeah. your favorite part of the movie when Which the is, get raised, and we get to this... meet. We get to meet why Cipher oh played by Trump. Yes. So, just to to set things up for those who haven't seen this, the essential plot is that Dom did not go evil. He is being essentially blackmailed. His family means everything to him. So the film family did some continuity. Yeah, it's all about And was like, you right. know what? Remember when he briefly was not with Michelle Rodriguez's character? Right. Let's bring yeah. this back. Yes. Oh. And so we find out that that Dom has a has a love child that he never knew about until they meet on the plane where they have both Elena and his child kidnapped. And they have a tender moment in the in a bulletproof box, basically. And it's like, what? I don't know. Whatever. It's okay. I mean, the, no, 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 no. You need to talk about your favorite part when we get to find out that uh, in an act of writing genius, they never named the baby. The baby right, didn't have oh a first God. name. Yes, Elena. The, she the, wanted the, to make the, sure it was if Dom got to name. Right. Name. She says, "Oh, I call him Marcos, but that's his middle name because I wanted you." to name to give him the first name like that's super fucked up like what the hell like it's your child too Whatever. i hope it's han so yeah, yeah andre's <laughs> reaction was like just gobsmacked and i told him yeah. this is when I, when i get mad at this movie for all of the gratuitous ass shots this is what i'm feeling on the inside yeah yeah Why? exactly now you so know. basically they wrote it that way just so you know at the end they can name the kid after brian paul walker's character which is like okay 
Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, yeah, a little, whatever. It's fine. Okay, it's fine. I think um, that, that I think that action undid all of the like charity it had from the seventh movie because the seventh movie ended so perfectly. Yeah, it was heartfelt. You know, yeah. like like for the, the, I have a lot of problems with that movie that aren't its own fault because you can clearly tell that they had to come up with a lot of workarounds because Paul Walker unfortunately passed during shooting. Like you right. can definitely tell. They had to, they had to shift some things around, but right. yes, that ending, you know, it was it was a really good send off for sure. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, you're right. I, I it just it definitely feels it's like okay, I don't really know if we needed to be this gratuitous in this ending, but whatever, it's fine. Right. Uh, I also think it's weird that um, uh, what is it, Mister Nobody? Uh, he's Kurt just Russell. one of the dudes now. Kurt Russell's character. I love Kurt. I'm happy to have oh. Kurt Russell back in these movies. It's a little weird that he's part of the family now. You know what I mean? Like he's this clandestine government operative who's there to set up the, the plot, basically. But you know, whatever. He's part of the family now. Anyways, that's enough talking about Fate of the Furious. It's a fine movie. I would give it two and a half GPS tracking cross devices out of five. That's that's where I'm at. So I guess um, the question that. I have before we we close the the loop on this is final uh-huh. ranking. Uh, no, I can't. You know, I, I you can't ask me that on the spot. Uh, I think. How about this? We'll we'll do that as a as a as a as a tweet later on because I don't want to spend too much time arguing with myself. I've already spent enough time on this pod <laughs> figuring out where I feel about these movies. I will give you a final ranking to tweet out if that's okay. Mike. We will, yeah. Oh yeah. We'll put it on Twitter and Instagram because we need some Instagram content. I am yeah. desperate for that. So yeah. stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned go. for that. Um, and if you are not following us, hey, at Game for a Movie Instagram, at Game for a Movie P1, because apparently at Game for a Movie was already taken on Twitter. So we're P1. Uh, yeah, hey. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that you guys got through all of the Fast and Furious movies. Now you're on my level. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, definitely disagree on what is uh, on our rank- rankings here. Right. I'm interested in rewatching Hobbs and Shaw now that I have the full context. I mean, so. if you want to, please feel free to like send me your rankings. I'm happy yep. to do lists for everybody. Uh, Mitchell, I don't know where you are on this, but... <laughs> um, the only thing I know for sure is Fast Five is number one for me. Okay. Uh, that is the one where it had the best in-theater experience. Um, it did something new to the Fast franchise because I had watched every single movie up to that point. Right. Um, where I felt like it was a breath of fresh air. I'm like, okay, this is where these movies can go. Um, and then Fast and Furious, the first one is in the top three mm-hmm. uh, just because I think it has the best introduction to the characters or at least it feels the most grounded in that way. Um, and then as for the others, look, I, I'm just not as invested into this franchise as many others are. Uh, just like one to know that Tokyo Drift takes place between six and seven or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Really? Like I love Han. He's dope. But yeah, at the I same time, I still haven't seen Hobbs and Shot. Like you know, it's just like it's right. not a uh, must see franchise for your boy. But I will sure. happily go back and make some decisions. Don't worry, Han's coming back. <laughs> oh, I'm right. sure. Fast yeah, in space. And they him for the new one. Yeah. Fast yeah, in space. Trailers. Yes. Looking forward to seeing that. You know. Soon, like it's in a few months. That's kind of yeah, exciting. Yeah, kind of crazy. Right? Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So that brings us to you, Mitchell. Uh, you get yeah. to talk about what you saw. Uh huh. Yeah. So for me, I saw Judas and the Black Messiah. So it's a new movie that has come out on HBO Max. It's part of Warner Brothers' big gambit this year of throwing all of their new releases onto their streaming service uh, as part of the streaming service for their first month. 
of being out. Um, so it is going to be on HBO Max until I believe March 14th. Um, but this is also, I think, the first big name movie that's going to get a lot of Oscar buzz for them uh, for this Oscar season. It stars Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton, who is uh, the chairman of the Black Panther Party based in Chicago. Um, and infiltrating that branch of the Black Panther Party is Lakeith Stanfield, our Judas in the story. And Lakeith Stanfield is one of my favorite actors working today. Most people will know him for being Darius in Atlanta. And of course, Dana Kaluuya was nominated for his role in Get Out. Yes. Uh, very notable actors leading the way in this movie. And I liked it a lot. Um, I don't have a ranking. I'll, I'll save that for the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll go into some details here. So how many people in this podcast, and I, demographics-wise, it's probably not going to be a high uh, you know, interest level or knowledge. How many people here uh, have a decent understanding of who Fred Hampton is? Just uh, just nothing. So it's fine. I'm a terrible human being. It's fine. No. I don't know. I didn't know that much either. I had only seen a Black Panther documentary back in college where he was uh, prominently, uh, you know, placed at the center of that doc. Um, what's crazy to me is that he is, um, you know, a charismatic leader. This is in the wake of Martin Luther King's assassination. Um, and folks behind this civil rights movement are now looking for their new leader. And as J. Edgar Hoover, played by Martin Sheen, by the way, in this movie, where he is letting the makeup do all of the acting because he sounds just like President Bartlett, which is very, uh, you know, disorienting. It doesn't sound like he tries to sound like Hoover at all. Um, but Hoover is saying to the FBI that they need to take out the next black messiah. Um, and that is, um, in this particular movie, Fred Hampton. Uh, Fred Hampton historically obviously played a huge role in the expansion of the Black Panther Party, um, but also, in a way, led to its uh, quick downfall because um, it's better to be alive than dead when you're trying to get a movement going. And unfortunately for him, he had a huge target on his back with the FBI. And that's where Lakeith Stanfield comes in. He's a guy who's introduced to us as a low-crime criminal uh, just trying to get by. Uh, He... In his very first scene, we see him impersonating an FBI agent, which is ironic because eventually he gets recruited to be in the FBI in hopes of getting these grant that the auto charges written off his record. Um, So he goes into uh, the Black Panther Party inside Chicago, specifically for Fred Hampton. And just like you would, he's someone who not only is in it for himself to feed the FBI information, but he kind of gets swept up into the movement that's going on. Uh, For the most part, he had, you know, uh, kind of -of middle-of-the-road feelings about the civil rights movement and what's happening on a greater whole. He's in it for himself. Um, But, you know, all the while feeding this information to Jesse Plemons, who is Agent Mitchell working directly with the FBI. He's um, trying to figure out, you know, where does he stand? Is he in support of Fred Hampton, or is he really just going to be in this for himself? And I think the title of the movie kind of shows you where the uh, plot ends up with that question. But the performances are absolutely fantastic. Um, this is not just a cast that has big names. It's big names coming through with big performances. Lakeith Stanfield, for my money, was the most impressive performance for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely the more nuanced in terms of what it's asking the actor to do. Obviously playing an undercover type of role, uh, but also the struggle of... Uh, the character is written all over the keeps space the entire time. Um, and it's just a well done performance. 
Uh, but what's interesting to me, and it's probably because it's the more showy role, but Daniel Kaluuya has been the one who has been picking up all the different acting nominations. Um, and I will say this. I kind of look back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the differences of performances between Leo and Brad Pitt's characters. And with Leo, there is much more acting gymnastics to go through to pull off that role. Where for Cliff Booth and Brad Pitt, his whole thing was exuding charisma and having it drip off the screen, which is absolutely what he did, and that's why he won the Oscar that year. Daniel Kaluuya, in a similar fashion, is doing the same thing, but this time with big speeches at rallies, um, which are absolutely inspiring and really grabs your attention. Um, and for that, his charisma is perfectly uh, put to use in this movie. Hmm. Uh, but beyond the acting, one thing that was running through my mind as I was watching this movie, has, um, if anyone has seen the movie Widows, a Steve McQueen movie that came out a couple years ago, I kept thinking to myself, this movie looks so much like Widows. It keeps reminding me of it. They're both set in Chicago, but in different decades, com uh, completely different stories. So I don't know why that connection was being made until I looked at the cast listing. And then I realized that the cinematographer for the film, um, oh. as I'm looking up his name right now, is the exact same person. Um, it is uh, Sean, uh, Sean Bobbitt, if I'm saying that Bobbitt. name right. Okay. So he worked on Widows as well. And it's the uh, type of uh, colors that they choose to pop off the screen, uh, basically showing the um, both the beauty and the uh, really disgusting parts of Chicago um, and what that means for the characters in the film. So, there is none. Yeah, there is none, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, it looks beautiful. And all for the sake of telling the story that's taking place, the action set pieces because there are two main ones that stand out in a really good way and typically those things fall by the wayside when you have more of a dramatic story being told but i think the action scenes took place um or were handled very well especially when the police uh were in the middle of a shootout at the headquarters of the black panther party in chicago so nice. um i was a big fan of the movie um it definitely had some lulls in the middle mm -hmm. um just like with anything else um you're definitely wanting to pay honor and tribute to characters um, to the fullest extent that you can. And sometimes that means slowing down the plot and exploring character relationships. Um, and the relationship in particular is between Fred Hampton and um, his girlfriend, fiance, whatever you want to call her, um, in the movie, who um, plays a really big role in the plot. And what's funny is in the credits, you'll see that the cultural... Um, I forgot how they were listed in particular, but they were cultural consultants. Um, okay. Was Fred Hampton's wife and his son, his unborn son in the movie, um, overseeing that. And I could totally see why that particular relationship, even though the movie didn't call for it necessarily, took center stage, ultimately dragging the pace down a little bit. Um, but I think the emotional payoff at the end justifies it being there. Nice. Um, so, Overall, Judas and the Black Messiah, not a perfect movie, but a worthwhile one to watch, especially if you're into the Oscar race. This is going to be a must-watch for anyone there. I'm going to give this one a four out of five. I'm going to say four out of five. Oh, man, I'm awful at these. You know that. <laughs> um, okay, uh, four out of five Lil Ray Howard cameos. How about that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He drops in for a while. Okay. <laughs> Perform him in that movie? That's crazy. Well, I know. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I will say uh, it sh- shocks me a little bit that he's in that movie. <laughs> it's funny because it took me out of it. And yeah. That's that's the thing about any of those kind of cameos, and I would almost call it a stunt cameo if he was a little bit more popular. Right. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like I recognize his voice, like he's like in this whole getup, but like okay. I knew exactly who he was. Uh, but anyway, I can nitpick this thing to death. But overall, I think it was a good experience. Nice. Well, that's great. Just out of curiosity, did, is this maybe a thing because of COVID twenty uh, of COVID? But I did not hear about this movie until maybe two weeks before it dropped on HBO. Um, I'm not particularly plugged into like the film festival circuit, so maybe it was already getting some buzz there. But... It was getting buzz, but I'll say the marketing probably wouldn't wasn't as big as it would have okay. been if yeah. there was a theatrical release. And I'll say, the cinematography made me want to see this in a theater because there are so many shots where I'm just like on a big screen and uh, not to mention that I thought the score was really well done. That is the theatrical experience that we're really missing out on. Like beyond Marvel movies and people cheering over, you know, Captain America getting Mjolnir. Like there are legitimate <laughs> filmmaking accomplishments that are kind of underserved when you're watching them at home. And that sucks. Right. Wait. Uh, this, yeah. this is the reality that we're in. Captain America got Mjolnir? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you haven't seen Endgame by now, you're spoiling yourself. Yep. As we always say with our show, spoilers. spoilers. We're going to talk about shit. Like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like anyone who understands what that sentence even means has seen Endgame at this point. So. Right, I exactly. Hope so. If I you really ju- if, so. Yeah, if you understand what it means, but you're, you haven't seen it, I, I applaud your nerdiness. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because you but are, anyway. yeah, um, but, yeah. But anyway, justice for Lakeith Stanfield. I don't know why this man is not being nominated for this role, Dude. but <laughs> he is absolutely incredible. I love Daniel. Kaluuya. I feel like that guy never misses. Honestly, I feel like he's always kind of the quiet favorite part of any movie I've seen him in. Because I, I loved him in Knives Out as well. Honestly, he was a good straight man to, um, uh, to the door. Yeah, I'm exactly. a little disappointed yeah, yeah, yeah. how little they used him in Knives Out because I think he could have yeah, been yeah. A, a good part to it too. I think there could have been a real good back and forth, like at least a few times. But that would be a sequel. Yeah, but uh, would it be in the same set in the same ci- uh, city? Because is in um, yeah, outside of Boston. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a different city where just it's the inspector goes. Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Yes, that's right. The gentleman detective, or whatever his name is. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I got something in my eye and it like threw me off, <laughs> and so I was just like rubbing my eye, going like, "Where was it going with this? My eye hurts." Um, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Jill, we're gonna go to you now. All right. Let me put my cross stitch down. <laughs> um, so, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, um, a couple of days before Andre and I uh, subjected ourselves to date night, I decided to check out The Lovebirds, which came out in 2020. It stars um, Kumal Nanjiani and mm-hmm. Isa Isaray. I'm not sure how to say her first name. I, it's one of those things that I keep telling myself I need to watch an interview to see how the person introduces her. Um, so I say Isa, but I could also hear it pronounced Isa. Okay. Um, Wait, uh, Issa Rae? Is that what we're talking about? Issa yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Issa Rae. Yep. Issa Rae. Okay, so I was right. Issa Rae and Come on, Gianni. It is directed by uh, Michael Showalter, who is the same director who did uh, The Big Sick, 
Um, he was also a writer on uh, Wet Hot American Summer, among other things. I was things. just going to say, Wet Hot, yes! Yeah, Wet Hot American <laughs> Summer. Great film, by the way, and yes, if you have not is. watched the TV series, check it out. Um, Lovebirds. Very, very funny. Um, not at all like a marriage story, but if a marriage story is the story of um, a couple coming to the end of their relationship and what comes next, The Lovebirds is the story of a couple coming to a pivotal moment in their relationship and then deciding what to do, what they're going to do, while kind of having a big trouble in Little China falling into a thing that's bigger than they are and being um, pulled along to figure figure things out and get their names cleared. Um, the It is, like I said, hilarious. The characters are great. They really feel like real people. It's mm-hmm. all set in New Orleans, so you get some lovely cinematography and shots of the city. I didn't know it took place in New Orleans. That's interesting. What? I didn't mm-hmm. know it took place in New Orleans. It does. Um, I don't want to give away too much, uh, but like I said, there's a bit of a big trouble little China thing where these characters fall into something that's bigger than they are, but they don't quite know what's going on. Um, through some shenanigans, they fall into this plot and they need to clear their names, otherwise they're worried they're going to go to jail. So they decide to take it upon themselves to solve the mystery. And as the mystery unfolds, it just gets more and more and more ridiculous. Um, there's a scene where they break into a house, into an uh, apartment building, and they do a form of an interrogation that's just absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, what it culminates is probably one of those biggest like WTF moments ever, but it works fantastically. And there's a spontaneous sing-along moment in a in a lift share, where they sing to uh, Katy Perry's iconic song "Firework." And you feel it, you know, when it, when when the thing is going, it's like, yeah, I'm singing along too. I'm feeling is, this. Is that song becoming one of the most used songs in movies? And like, I don't mean that in a bad way because it's a it's a decent jam and everything like that. But like, I I <laughs> initially the first thing that popped in my head is the interview. Uh, oh you yes. The one with um, Seth Rogen and James Franco. Yes. Yeah. No, I forgot that. Yeah, that, that song is prominently in that movie, yes, too. You're it right. is. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. I, I guess I, it's so. because it's so inspirational, you know? And it, yeah. it, it's, it's, uh, Baby, you're it's, a firework. Oh. Go and let your color oh, thanks, show. Oh. I got I got you. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> Should I leave the room? <laughs> I really need to. Uh, I mean, Mike, you have my, my clearance to borrow my boyfriend. Oh, I got clearance. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Carte blanche, I love it. All right, sorry. All right. I don't think Andre has a say in this. Yeah. Andre does not have a say in this. Yeah, like, was this the greatest romantic comedy I've ever seen? No, but I, you love these characters. I also just love these actors, um, especially Kamal Nanjiani. Like, I love the big, the big sick. So you actually can see a lot of um, similarities with um, between the two films. But then he filmed this right as he was starting to get in shape for Eternals. So there's a scene where he has to take his shirt off because things happen. And, and it's not framed in, like, this sultry, like, oh, let's bring the music down real low for a moment. But, like, it's like, good for you, man. You look great. I'm turned cool. on. Thumbs up sign. Yeah. <laughs> Dude already had the humor. Now he just needs the body. Forms of Kamal Nanjiani and Isa Rae is also fantastic. She wears some really great out- outfits throughout the the movie, including a few great dresses. She wears a 
adorable unicorn onesie at one point <laughs> or it's, it's, a, it's a hoodie not a onesie um it's just the, the little scenarios that they get into to try and clear their name and figure out what's going on it's just hilarious um and like i said the ending is kind of like this big like what the fuck is happening <laughs> like, what is this and to the film's credit they don't fully explain what exactly they have fallen into they leave it rather loose i wouldn't say up to interpretation but they leave it rather broad Okay. Which, as frustrating as that is for me as someone who likes to, like, I want to know everything about what's going on, um, it works. It really works for this film. So you sound like you really enjoyed it. I know that, like, the Rotten Tomatoes scores are mediocre at best. That's sad. Okay. Do you think the ending, because you said it ends on, like, a, like, open note, do you think that's part of it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so... Spoiler warning, I'll spoil. Um, so if you have any interest in seeing the lovebirds, stop listening to this podcast, come back. Um, you can, Mike can figure out the timestamps. But the, 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 the plot, which is as follows, um, both of them, both characters are going to a potato party, and as they're driving there, they're really, they realize their relationship is done, so they break up. They've been together for five years. Aww. As they reach this pivotal emotional apex, they hit a man on a bicycle. They hit a guy. <laughs> um, so they're like, oh my god, we just committed manslaughter. But no, he's okay. He, the guy gets up, runs off, and then this dude hijacks their car. And they're like, who are you? What's going on? He's like, I'm, an, I'm a cop. It's fine. I'm after this guy. They're like, yeah, let's go get him. Run him down. And then the dude proceeds to actually run him down and kills him. So that's how they get pulled into this. And they're like, okay, well, we can't go to the police because they're going to think two people of color killed a white guy. Um, there were witnesses. So they find his cell phone and they go from a few different locations and they find out that there's this underworld cult of the rich and elite of New Orleans that is a sex club and they have the cops working for them, but there's the, the guy who ran the first, the other character down is playing um, playing it both ways. So he's oh. offering to keep the see their, the secrets of this cult, but he's also feeding the secrets to the to some other agency. So he's trying to fix any loose ends that's going to give away that he he's ratting out the cult while that he's also taking money to protect. Um, but they don't really go into detail on what this cult is, okay. why they are a thing, who's part of it. It just seems to be the rich elite. Um, and it just, you know, it ends with them having a confrontation with the, the original murder dude. And things happen, the police show up, and they're like, yeah, because of you, we were able to, like, figure this out. But we, are, we already know about it, so it's fine. You don't need to know anymore. So oh. because the police know... The characters don't need to know. Interesting. That, okay. You know, they wash their hands of that. Okay. And yay, Kamal and Isa's characters are like, we're not going to break up after all. We've rediscovered why we, Lovebirds. Why we want to be together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, you know, it just is it, it, the fact that the, the cops are like, we already know what's going on, so it's, you know, it's fine. You don't, you don't have to explain anything. Ergo, we don't have to explain it to you. That's pretty frustrating. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, I could definitely see how that would uh, that would sway some things. Um, yeah. Okay. What, what, what would you rate this then? What would I rate this? Um, I would give it a 
three out of five um getting kicked in a horse kicked by a horse <laughs> or uh actually no three out of five Whoa. hot pans of grease i was just gonna say take the grease that was in the, the trailer yeah yep no you absolutely should take the grease okay okay <laughs> interesting yeah it's it's one of those ones that was like on my list but i just never got to it yeah and, you know, it was a fun after it was a fun evening like yeah. i, I I don't know how I'd feel if I had paid to see it, you know, walking out with that ending. Now but, on Netflix, you know, I like I, it, so. yeah, now on Netflix, I would have considered it more, but honestly, eh, meh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess that brings it to the bad movie of the week. Uh, but before, oh boy. Yeah. So I've been waiting for this. Before I get to that, I'm in the basement. I have two window vantage points and I just saw somebody drop off a package, uh, Happy podcasting news as it's happening. I bought a two terabyte drive that will help us be better. My computer will stop being so slow and it will be great. Um, so I got a cheap ter- two terabyte drive. I think it just got delivered. I am going to check after this. But it's it's honestly, I'm really excited about it because then I don't have to carry all this stuff on my computer and it's going to be a little faster. That's happy podcast news. The sad podcast news is I watched a terrible movie. <laughs> yep. Um, we did another Sporkle quiz. Came down to the final question. And the final question was about Bad Boys, which is the one film series that is in my blind spot. And it was a 50-50 guess, and I guessed wrong. So, I had to see a romance movie because it is February the season of love, Valentine's Day, and everything. Um, I did a poll on our Twitter. I usually, when I lose the bad movie, um, I usually do a poll because I want to know what you, the audience, wants to see. The options were Aloha, uh, the movie with Emma Stone, Bradley Cooper, where Emma Stone plays an Asian character. Yep. <laughs> it was. It almost was that, and I we would have had a different uh, discussion. She's supposed to be time. Japanese. Like half Japanese, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, So it it would have been an interesting discussion if that would have been the winner. Uh, The Hottie and the Naughty, which features Paris Hilton, um, which is one of those like coming of age. Oh, she was a she was a pretty girl all the time. You just didn't get to know her movie. Shout out to uh, belated happy birthday to Paris Hilton. She just turned forty and got engaged. Forty and engaged. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no, 40, right? I'm like, oh my god. Wow. She's so old now. <laughs> I, I'm surprised she's 40, and I'm also surprised she's engaged. Like, people... It's like her fourth or fifth time. Jesus, okay. Uh, the third movie was The Last Summer, which features K.J. Appa, which, good for him. He's getting out there. He's doing bad movies, but good for him. The guy who plays Archie on uh, Riverdale. And uh, it looked like a Nicholas Sparks movie. Uh, and the last one... Is the one that won? It is Vampire Boys. Were you really surprised it was going to be that that was going to be the winner? I'm actually surprised how close the poll was, because um, Vampire Boys, like when I posted the picture, I was like, "This one's winning, like it, it's just winning. It, it's not a question or anything like that." It was tied on our Twitter poll. Luckily, we had three votes on our Instagram. So if you're not voting on Twitter, make sure to vote on Instagram. Um. You guys can't see me on our Google Meet call because I have my notes pulled up. <laughs> These are from February 11th when I watched the movie. At 12, 12 a.m. was the last time it was saved, so it was late. 12? Yes, 12, 12. Wow. 
Um, yeah. So let's talk about Vampire Boys. Um, the very beginning is four vampires that do not wear shorts. Are uh, are do not wear shirts, shorts. Wait, shirts. Wait, wait, I was gonna say, so they don't wear pants the entire movie. No, they that's, don't. That's definitely a uh, direction. They, like it. they don't wear shirts for most of the time. The four of them are together. Yeah, I'm looking at all these promo shots, and all of them are basically bare chested. Yeah, three quarters of the movie definitely bare chested for all of them. The okay. only one that really wears a shirt is the main vampire, and he only really wears a shirt in like social situations. You know, because he. How respectful. Because like. Oh, oh to, to blend in, so someone knows he's a vampire. He's a 20 year old, so he goes to college. So he's 20-year-old forever. Just imagine being 20 forever. Because he said 20. I'm not saying 21. 20. But, okay, so is this like... He doesn't age at all. It's not like he's 20 for like 100 years. He's just 20. He is 20 for however long. He's been around since 1700s, I think, is what it was. I don't actually have a specific note on that. Maybe the 1800s, but, you know... 1700s, 1800s, one of those. Gotcha. Um, so the very beginning starts black and white, and I'm like, oh, is this a black and white movie? Uh, they are chasing a gang of teenagers or high schoolers or college people, whatever it is, uh, and they feed on them. But that is the only part that is black and white of this entire movie. So off to a great start. Uh, and then the... Voiceover comes in. Los Angeles, the city of angels. Let's hope I find the one. That is the exact quote. I have it in quotes because I want to talk about... um, At this point, I was very confused. Who's the one? Why is the one? Where is the one? Uh, Then we get introduced to one of the main characters. um, uh, Caleb? Maybe he's Caleb. I didn't actually take notes on which one is actual main character. Caleb. Yeah, so Caleb is moving in with his buddy Paul. Uh, Caleb gets into the bedroom and there's a cross in there. And Caleb knocks it down. And I was just like, ooh, symbolism. Here it is, you know. But then I realized the picture that I have for Vampire Boys is they are all wearing cross necklaces. Oh. Yes. When, when did this movie come out? Just out of curiosity. Um, do, 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 do. When is 2010? what it looks so like. It's like post-Twilight, right? Yes, it oh. is post-Twilight for sure. At least the well, first it's, one. It's probably mid-Twilight craze, right? Like, didn't the last movie come out in like 2011 or something so like that? When I say I would post-Twilight, guess so, yes. I'm, I, I guess it's like in the craze, but like Twilight has hit. Mm-hmm. Yes. It has definitely hit at this point. Um... The camera coloring I made a point on at this point is, like, it's sepia-toned. You know, it's kind of loose focus, so, like, the lights are almost too bright for most of these. It's very, like, bright. Um, The next comments I have are, they are looking for the one, they don't wear shirts. (laughs) So, these four vampires, they are obviously a brood uh, together. They are looking for the one, they never really clarify why they need to find the one but they need to find the one or something will happen if just, just something yes like, I'm, just, I'm getting very matrix vibes from this like 
I don't even, I don't even know, probably just because we just watched it, but okay, it sounds like they're all Morpheus. I don't know. A that, little bit, yeah. So we the, are looking for their trinity. The main vampire is uh, Jason, J A S I N. J A S I N. Okay, Jason. Jason. Oh, oh, so he can have sin in his name. Ooh, so we know it's bad. Right? Yes. Yep. Cool. Great. Uh, so we we obviously learned that Caleb is probably the one. But we don't know why at this point. It's just like focusing on him. But so Caleb, it's funny to me. This is the line I, I included in this. He's hanging out with his roommate, Paul, and he's wearing a V-neck, but it's not really a V-neck. It is a U-neck. And I'm going to come back to the video so you guys can see. It is down to here. Like it's, it's like almost a little bit like it is one inch away from just showing nipples. Seeing Fifty First Dates, it's like whatever Sean Astin is wearing. Yes, like he's like wearing mesh shirts. Yes, early. Okay, all right, vampire boys. Um, and so like they're hanging out at the school, they're talking and everything like that. He comes across Jason, and it's just like a quick fleeting moment, but you kind of see that Jason and him lock eyes, and you're like, ooh, maybe they, uh, you know, maybe there's something there. Uh, It's next morning. And Caleb comes out of his room with Paul. Paul is cooking breakfast. And Caleb is just in, like, these, like, tight-ass underwear. That is all he is wearing. All right. I think I see what this movie's agenda is. I'm for it. Uh, Yes, exactly. You see what's happening here. Uh, It also had a dream sequence where he had, like, these vivid dreams about Jason. But yet he can't remember what happens. And, like, it's obviously vivid dreams. He knows exactly what happened. Um, oh, yes, I included a note. Hey, they are wearing shirts. <laughs> there is one point where they are wearing shirts, the vampires. It's character development right there. Yeah, it's character development. They must have been close to social interaction. Um, so the reason they are wearing shirts is because they are hunting again. And this scene, this this is the scene. This is when I knew this movie could have been decent because it had it has a pretty decent love story i will say you know it's very ham-fisted about like okay you can be gay and it's okay like that kind of stuff um this is the scene where i knew i was in for a bad movie so there is two guys and a girl that are walking along this trail in california where uh los angeles the city of angels you know um, they stop and the girl looks at the other guy and is like flirting with him. And like the, uh, the first guy is kind of like, Hey, like, what are you doing? We're a couple like that kind of stuff. And she goes, two of us make a couple three is, and then she bites her lip and it's just like, Oh yeah, she's going Ooh, I like the Mitchell play by play right there. Uh, <laughs> Mitchell play by play. Give me it. Yeah, there it so, is. So sultry. Yes. Oh, let me moan real quick. Mm. Oh, daddy. Mm. Mm. I have a shirt on. I should, you know. <laughs> you should ask Kelly if you should invest in new shirts. <laughs> oh, I know. I think she would be uh, just a huge fan of that investment. <laughs> like, yeah, we're about to put a down payment on this on this fucking apartment. But let me go buy some U-shirts. That would be a really worthy really investment. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 
Not you shirts. You need the mesh shirts that we were talking about from Fifty First Dates. That's the better okay. call. <laughs> Maybe there's a combo out there. Yeah. Um, so this girl is like going hardcore for a threesome. She wants some. Um, but Good she wants your words. Huh? Good for her. Use your word. Use your words. Yes. Uh, but she will not let either of them touch her until they, the two guys, make out a little bit. So okay. The two guys make out. It does happen. And this is, again, what I said was about it being, like, it could have been good and everything like that, but it was just ham-fisted, like, it's okay to be gay, that kind of stuff. They take off their pants, and I saw dicks. Wait, what's this movie rated? R. <laughs> I thought this movie was going to be, like, PG-13. Nope. Wait, wait, like, like, what? <laughs> there, there is actual, like, flaccid penis in this. Okay. Oh, but it's not erect. It doesn't count. Not erect, but uh, it still counts. I saw I saw Dick. All right, I'm gonna look this up, but I think there has to be that difference in order for it to be rated R as opposed to rated NC-17 or whatever. Interesting. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna look that up. I'm gonna look that up while you guys. So I would agree with you just because, like, it was obviously flaccid Dick. Okay. Yeah. So I. <laughs> you didn't know what you were getting yourself in, yourself into until that moment. Nope, I did not. And like, it's not a full porno. There, this is the only time dicks is out. Oh, you're saying it's very tasteful. <laughs> dicks out. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I could help it. <laughs> no, but like. Seriously, I'm just sitting here going, hey, I wonder what our preview is going to be on our Twitter when I release this episode. It's going to be this. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's dicks out. And then all of a sudden, popped out in the like trails is four shirtless vampires. All right. And they come in and they're just like, hey, we see you're having a threesome. How about a six-some? No. And it's that kind of voice and everything. Like, it is bad. I, I included a note. What are these voices? Because they're talking to them. We've heard these vampires talk before. We know what they sound like. Yet they're coming up to them like, Ooh, we see you want some more. Oh, they're doing the Batman voice. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. It is, uh, it is not good. Meanwhile, uh, Jason is... Uh, inviting Caleb on a date. Uh, he has a vest and untucked shirt combo because I feel like it was important to include what he was wearing there. Uh, but that vest and untucked shirt, the vest ends about here. Okay. And the shirt so is like un- a crop top And the shirt is unbuttoned to the vest top. So he still has like a, a V-neck, U-neck going on to see a little chest. Okay. Yeah. Um, they the decide that the. B- this movie. <laughs> so. Uh, so. Yes. Yeah. I have an update on the penises. If we want to wait or. Oh, no penises go. go. Okay. So this is according to the director of uh, Neighbors Two: Sorority Rising, Nicholas Stoller, and he also worked on Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is where he picked up this information. Um, quote: I never had any issues with the MPAA. That's who does ratings. If it's R-rated, you can basically do anything. You you just can't show erect penis. This no. is the thing with oh. the penis as uh, he holds his hand and he shows how uh, erect it could be. It goes R-R-R-N-C-17, including flopping. So if you want to flop, 
the penis has to move, move left to right in order for it to be R. Oh my up God. And down, Not right to left? Up. No, okay, yeah, you could go in that direction, right or left. Yeah, 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 yeah. horizontally, not yeah. vertically. Horizontal, horizontal yeah, vertically, movement, not vertical movement. Exactly, too high of a suggestion of sexual intercourse wow. with the erect penis. <laughs> so that is uh, that seems to be the discerning uh, difference between the I am now, I, this, this whole entire conversation just took me back to watching Your Highness in theaters. If anybody remembers that fucking movie with the, nope. the fucking... Um, oh yeah, but that was like a human dick, right? No, it's an editor <laughs> dick, but it's very it's flashed yeah. the whole time and now I know why. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. What is Jeez, happening? Right. I've never seen Anyways, it. Anyways. I don't think I need it. You don't need to see it. It's I don't I don't, I don't want to talk about the movie anymore. All right, please continue, Mike. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike. When you started a movie podcast, did you expect to talk about flaccid penises? You know what? We just had a the more you know. Flaccid miniature penises, but yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Still. For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. And when that question comes up in trivia, you will get it right. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I'm sending this to my trivia boss and letting him know this needs to be a question next week. Um, okay, so uh, Caleb and Jason are going on a date. Good for them. Uh, Caleb asks, what's your deal? And Jason is like, uh, what do you mean, what's my deal? And he goes, I noticed you had this girl all over you. Uh, that's when we first learned her name is Tara. Of course. Tara is... Um, Tara is who they thought was the one before Caleb. But Jason just feels this sense with Caleb. He just knows Caleb must be the one. Um, also, we, we need to talk about Paul. Paul is Caleb's roommate who obviously likes Caleb. Uh, so Jason turns it on him and was just like, what about Paul? And he goes, oh, I just live with Paul. Paul's fine. Paul wouldn't hurt a fly. Uh, obviously, later in the movie, uh, Paul actually admits his feelings. Um... They decide to go to another trail to hang out and talk. This trail is by where these rednecks are shooting cans. Um, this is this is the best scene of the movie by far because they obviously told these rednecks they need to be like having a conversation or something like that to be background noise. I'm not even joking you when I tell you. That these rednecks say at one point, rabble, rabble, rabble. Uh, sorry, I was on mute. Wait, wait, um, what? wait. Okay, so are they fans of South Park, the creators of this movie? Yeah, that maybe. Is a South Park reference. Maybe. Yeah. No, it legitimately, so they're just like, <laughs> rabble, rabble, rabble. You <laughs> It sounds to me like they're leaning into the quality of the film that they just made. Uh, maybe. It seems very self-aware. Yeah. Maybe. And uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Again, there's a sequel to this movie. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more of this, but it's a completely different cast. So I've become invested with Caleb and Jason and everything like that, but no. Um, well, they're shooting, they're shooting these, um, 
these cans and one bullet ricochets and it hits Jason. Oh no, Jason's been shot. Also these fake gunshots because these guns like they're they're holding the guns but it has like that like fake uh paint flash kind of thing, you know, like the it, it's terrible CGI flashes to make it look like the gun is flashing like uh is being shot. So Jason is shot. So he needs to undo his vest and shirt combo uh, so that we can see his chest again. (laughs) (laughs) So Caleb and Jason, he's, he's like explaining that he's a vampire and blah, blah, blah. And like, he doesn't feel things like this. And then the scene ends. Well then Paul and Caleb are, it's, it's later and they're in their, uh, they're in their house. Paul kisses Caleb and Caleb's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Um, I don't know exactly what happened because I included the line and I just don't remember it. I included the, the note. These line reads and this camera is killing me. It's tearing you apart, Lisa. Yes. Um, the next scene is definitely the vampires because it goes, I've been wearing pants wrong all this time. And I know what it's referencing because you know that V? Like that, that uh, V that some men have when they have abs and stuff. Yes, I am quite familiar. Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I drink too much beer. <laughs> uh, I'm in some low-waist jeans. Yeah, they got some low-waist jeans where it's it's a button away from penis out again. <laughs> uh, if anybody has uh, watched Big Mouth, there's a very specific name for those, and uh, I'll, I'll leave that as a surprise for the show. But, yeah. Oh, I watched that show, and I can't remember it, but yeah, okay. Um, Caleb is very upset that Jason is a vampire, and so he gets all moody in his underwear again. One does. Uh, convinced that Tara was the one before Caleb is, uh, basically the, the bad guy. So the bad guy is Logan. Logan is part of the vampire brood, and he doesn't want to get hurt because, uh, Jason won't find the one. So he's, like, trying to convince him, no, it's Tara. You were so certain. It's Tara. Be be in love with Tara and make it happen. And uh, Jason's like, let a vampire be in love. Um, I included the note, why does he need to be in love? What happens if he isn't? Logan says, Caleb is a phase. And so this is where I get to the ham-fisted, like, it's okay to be gay. Because this is all kinds of metaphors for, like, homophobia and that kind of stuff. Like, he's trying to convince them that um, it's just a phase kind of thing. Um, Tara is, like, all for wanting to be a vampire. She's just like, bite me, make me a vampire. I'm totally in for it. Caleb is not so certain. Um... Caleb is like the perfect vampire name, by the way. I don't know. It's just like, anytime I think of Caleb, I'm like, okay, bro, you're a vampire. Stop lying. Stop lying. Isn't like the main character of the movie The Covenant named Caleb? Oh, I can totally see that. Yeah, if you're if you're Caleb, you're probably living a horror movie, and I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> Except for Caleb's, who uh, like and subscribe to Game for a Movie, of course, and I just want to hang out with you and be your best friend. <laughs> We're getting so pushy on this. I love it. <laughs> um, so 
Basically, Tara wants to be a vampire. Caleb doesn't. It flashes to the next scene. Caleb is hanging out with uh, Jason. Um, Jason is just telling him all of the myths about vampires that this universe has created. So, please share. Uh, the sun only destroys elder vampires, not him. What's an elder vampire? Uh, they never go into it. Uh, decapitation is the only way to kill a vampire, not wooden stakes. I think there's actually some background lore on that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the, the best one was this line. Um, so, Caleb goes, well, you can't see yourself in a mirror, right? And Jason goes, the hair can only look this good with a mirror. So they do have reflections. They do have reflections. Uh, they talk about the crosses that they wear around their necks. They can still be religious. That's not a part of it. Um, Because they're good Christian boys that are gay. You know, I I, I don't know. This movie. Uh, Caleb has 24 hours to make a decision about whether or not to become a vampire. Logan the vampire is now getting very upset because he's... Caleb obviously is not going to make the choice. Um, oh, and there was, God damn it, there was a great scene. Um, so, Jason comes over to Caleb's place, and he's just standing outside the door, and Caleb's like, what's wrong? And Jason goes, uh, you have to invite me in, that one actually counts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason, uh, comes into the house, um... And he's basically saying, like, you got to make a decision. Otherwise, like, I'm going to turn Tara and she's going to be a vampire forever. You have to make a decision whether you love me or not. Caleb's frustrated and flustered and whatever. Logan and the rest of the vampires come with Tara. And they basically, um, they basically, like, threaten that Caleb needs to choose now. It's no longer 24 hours. And Logan is very upset. He does the first vampire hiss. The first... Oh. Yes. Drama. Yep, all the drama. Um, We learn in a throwaway line that Jason created Logan because he didn't want to be alone anymore. So Logan was, like, the first to be of the brood. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, what else is there? I am, uh, okay, so Logan holds Tara and bites her and turns her into a vampire. But they, they still are, like, worried that she's not the one. And so then Jason says to Caleb, will you die to live forever with me? That's definitely the trailer. Yeah. What? Will you die to live forever with me? With, Wow. Um, they get into this huge fight, and this fight lasts all of 30 seconds, and Logan gets decapitated. Bye, Logan. And then, and then Caleb decides, sure, I'll do it. That's a lot. And, uh, and this movie was an hour and, like, ten minutes. It's not very long at all. I The only question I have at the end is, what happened to Paul? Who cares? And then the uh, the credits roll, and one of the rednecks was named Creep Creeperson. Hmm. Okay. That's right. Somebody didn't want to have the really intent to this film? Yep. <laughs> no, 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 that's 
actor's name. No, it, no, 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 no. It is the actor's name. Creep Creeperson. Um, and then the last thing I had from the credits were there was four original songs in this movie, all by one of the vampires. Okay. Oh, that, that's interesting. So Mike, what is your favorite song on this soundtrack? Yeah. What's notable? None. <laughs> None, but you, you actually gave it a list, it sounds like. Well, yeah. duh, it was in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I expected you to do a deep dive and really nope. pick out your favorite nope. instrumentals. You're not appreciating the vehicle that they made this like for that guy solo. Yeah, uh, honestly, that could have that could have been a CD versus a movie. <laughs> concept album. A concept album, exactly. Oh my god. Um, so this movie, yeah, it's Vampire Boys. I, I feel like I've talked way too long about this. Um, I, I do have like a few quick questions though. Shoot, go ahead. How no. many female characters are actually in this movie? Three. How many female and how many of them are are vampires? Three are in this movie. One is a vampire, Tara. The other okay. two die. The other two die. Yes. Okay. I guess technically and there's like some like background characters. Like there's extras that are in a college scene or two. But other than that, I mean, they, they have no speaking role. So, you know. Okay. So then I guess the second, my second question, or third question. This, this is just blatantly like, yes, this is guy on guy. Yep. Gay love story. Yep. The, 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 not versus like, no, it's a story with vampires and there's subtext. It, it is a gay movie with vampires added in. You know what? Good for them. I, it could have been good. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna jump into something that, like, I, I just want to be addressed. I do not care if you're gay. I love you still. You're awesome. Um, please. You have an ally here. I am not dissing anybody who is gay. We lost but. Mitchell. No, we lost Mitchell. Yeah, there was a but, man. Oh, there's, there's very much a but. It starts that way. No. No, no, no. I, I don't think there was a but. No, I, I just wanted to address that from the beginning. I'm not attacking this movie because of the gay love story. I don't think anyone was accusing you of it. Okay. No, never. Okay. My question was more just to figure out if the film thought that if, like, the intention of the film is that, like, it's secretly a gay story, but we did a horrible job of keeping that secret versus, like, no, we, we know what we are and we're not hiding it. I think this movie would have been better as a gay love story with no vampires. That's the most confusing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 100%. I mean, like, literally the only reason they needed that was for climax purposes of you have 24 hours to choose if you want to live forever by being dead forever. Climax purposes, I see what you did there. Hey. And we still don't know what was going to happen if he didn't find the one. Ooh. Yeah, we, um, no, we don't. I mean, he's supposed to become an elder vampire. That's what we know. But it didn't say, like, if he didn't become an elder vampire, all of a sudden his head just explodes. You know, like, they never said that. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep. All right, so, so you're going to give it five out of five stars, right? Oh, 100% a... No. Um, I am giving it half a cross ne necklace out of five, the old Mitchell Zero there. There it is. Wow, that's two, that's two cross necklace ratings in this, in this episode, <laughs> by the way. Just wanted to shut that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, all right. 
better. Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, I mean, I understand why people made this movie. So, it's funny, because one of our Twitter followers actually knows the guy who was Jason. Oh. Yeah. And so, like, I thought about it. I really thought about reaching out to him and, like, interviewing from the show. Maybe we'll do, like, a .5 episode where it's just, like, an interview with him. Or our Patreon listeners. Or our Patreon listeners. Patreon? No, not yet. Maybe we do. I I wasn't ever going to make this a Patreon, but if you guys want to make a Patreon, we'll talk about it. Um, You know, it's just more so I want to give people content and not charge people. But if people want to buy a Patreon, if they would support us like that, I will listen to them and say, okay, sure. Um... But my, we'll talk about that later. It's much later. Uh, the guy who played Jason now is a an agent down in Atlanta, and so he he's doing well too. Like I, I've heard, he's doing pretty well. Um, again, I'll reach out to him. I don't think there's any harm in reaching out to him and saying, "Hey, maybe we do a point five with you." Like here's Vampire Boys. We want to talk about it. Um, and then we want to talk about you, obviously, because nobody wants to hear another episode about Vampire Boys. I don't know. Think about your audience. They might want another episode about Vampire yeah, Boys. Yeah, they might want the sequel, man. Well, I'm, I'm going to make one of you guys watch the sequel for... Yeah, that's... Well, I feel like I wouldn't appreciate it as much since I didn't watch the first one, so... I think... You already did the late work, so. I think if you did the sequel, you'd have to watch the first one, so we'd just make it a double dip of bad... Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. So I give it a Mitchell zero. Um, we're gonna take, yeah, we're gonna take a quick break here. We're gonna listen to a promo from our friends across the pond, the insanely dangerous retro pod show. I've referenced them several times on the show. They're awesome. Uh, Gaz and Dange, you're the best. We love you. Listen to this promo from them. Uh, see if you like it. 80s, 90s retro stuff. Fantastic. Their last episode was about the A-Team. I laughed so fucking hard. Not even joking. So fucking hard. Quick break. We'll be back. Hello, one and all, to the Insanely Dangerous Retro Pod Show. <laughs> Hello, who's this? Just, just don't hurt the kids, okay? Who would win in a steel cage match between Andy Crane, Andy Peters versus Neil Buchanan and Tommy Boyd? Sounds like a scratchy robot chicken. 12 inch BA Barackers dolls. You do do like a 12 incher. (sighs) Here we go. It worked how I think it's going to work. It's going to be bang average. I'm I'm just over it now. You just heard from our friends at the Insanely Dangerous Retro Pod Show. They are awesome. Please give them a shot um, after you listen to us, of course. Um, one of our best friends out there on the Twitterverse because they constantly shout us out. So thank you, guys. Gaz and Dange, you're fantastic. That brings us to our newest and best segment. Maybe best. I don't know. People like the bad movies a lot. Um, <clears throat> our segment is called Hashtag Cash or Trash. Which... Mitchell is possibly working on a theme song for. We're going to throw that on him. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, as we're speaking, working on our uh, little merch idea that we were talking about during the break. So that's a little, that's a Dude, little spoiler, a little tease. Please, 
please, this like is that, like that you shirt. Yeah, please. Oh yeah, we can get the vampire you shirt. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you have ideas, what we should do, what you would like to see merch for, um, we have a few ideas ourselves. Um, but if you have ideas of merch you'd like to see, we're we're talking about a merch store. It would be it'd be really great. Um, but yeah. So we move to our hashtag cash or trash. Uh, welcome everyone to my wife Claire. Hi. Uh, Claire. Hey. <laughs> uh, Claire decided to join us for this because she saw a recently streaming movie. Mm-hmm. Babe, what'd you see? Um. Well, if this means anything to anybody, right before we started recording, I had to ask Mike what the name of it was. So there's that. Well, I already <laughs> forgot it again. Was it the little things? <laughs> <laughs> If you hear so. this latest, just like facepalm, that's me. Yeah. Um, so I watched The Little Things, which was streaming on HBO Max, and you could see it in theaters, I guess, but we have HBO back, so I'm not going to theaters. Um, it was all right. I mean, it has Denzel Washington. Um, Remy Malik. Remy Malik. I mean, it's your typical detective, has a past. There's a new, there's a new case that like reels him back in. I don't know. It was very predictable. Is what I would say. Yes, and I mean I love Denzel, and at the beginning I was like really intrigued, but like towards the end where it should have been, you know, the most exciting, I was like, oh, I think I should just go do my laundry now, and um, maybe like clean some laundry. dishes. Shit, we have laundry. <laughs> <laughs> That laundry that's been sitting there for a week? I should probably do something about that. Jeez. So, I was, I mean, it was fine, but I would say trash. Completely trash. trash. Into the bin it goes. Yeah. Into the bin. And I'm not even that critical of movies like you guys are, so that's, that's something. So, Andre? Oh, it's me? Yeah. Okay, alright. My cash of trash for this week is not a movie, it is a TV series, uh called Ted Lasso, uh, streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. I think that's the full streaming service name at this mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah, um, and the high-level concept is that Jason Sudeikis stars as Ted Lasso. He is an American uh, college football coach. And we got to specify, football? College American football pigskin coach um, and gets brought over to England to coach uh, a Premier League team, AFC Richmond. So to uh, so he gets brought over to teach a, a a actual football team what the Americans would call soccer team. So um, this is based off of a series of promos. I think it was NBC Sports that ran for the World Cup, where Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso, has to you know uh, do a, a press interview where he's you know fish out of water, doesn't know understand soccer at all, but tries to treat it like a football game. And I feel like the, the expectations of that are make it like I don't even know. I'm shocked at how good this show is, considering that it could have easily been the equivalent of that Geico show where they tried to make a, a TV show out of the caveman, you know, from those uh, Geico commercials. I remember that, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's ten episodes long right now for this first season. We're eight. Uh, Jill and I are eight episodes in, and I am kind of stunned at how good it is. Uh, it's super heartfelt. Um, it's, it's, uh, I believe it has a, the, 
Yeah, Bill Lawrence is producing it, so he's the guy, um, he's the head creator of Scrubs, and you can definitely see that lineage in that show. If you at all enjoyed Scrubs and the kind of humor that show had, I think Ted Lasso would be a very comfortable fit for you. Um, and it is Ted's, uh, Ted Lasso's uh, constant optimism and good-heartedness is very infectious. You really want to root for the guy to succeed, and you just love seeing him triumph over all of the cynics are, that are around him. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it, it's it's a it, it's it's refreshing to watch a comedy show that's not at all rooted in cynicism. You know what I mean? Not to say that I don't like my fair share of cynic comic comedy, but um, it's been really refreshing and super uplifting to watch this show. And I, I don't know, can't get enough of it. It's very wholesome. Yes, indeed, very wholesome. One of my favorite things about it, in terms of the adaptation part of it, Andre, you know, Bill Lawrence is the producer on it who, you know, helped uh, Scrubs and all that kind of stuff, or created Scrubs. Uh, when they were looking back at the old commercials, him and Sudeikis were, uh, you know, developing the show, and they realized, you know, you can't build an entire, you know, 10-episode uh, season based on this guy who is just so unlikable. Because if you look back at those commercials, he is – he. He knows nothing about soccer, yet he digs his heels in and is determined to show people that he knows what's right, regardless of not knowing the sport. And, you know, this is uh, how the character came off in those old uh, Premier League commercials. But now they converted it to where he still knows nothing, but he wants to learn. He wants to actually uh, assimilate or become part of the soccer culture that he's right. now adopting. So that I think is part of the charm where this guy understands that he's a fish out of water, but he's here for the ride. And so are you guys. So let's have some fun. And yeah. it, it, and a treat to watch. I totally agree. Very refreshing for me. Nice. Yeah. I mean, exactly. So it, it, it's, it would, it would have been so easy to make Ted, Ted's character unlikable and a little grating, but I mean, just the way he's written, he does a really good job of lifting up others around him and also being able to take in new lessons from his, from his, the characters around him. I feel like one of my favorite, favorite, quiet favorite characters is uh, is Nate, the the sort of timid, um, not water, what, what are they, I don't even know what they're actually called. He's like basically the water boy of the team. And yeah, he's the equipment manager, technically. Equipment manager, okay, got it, right. So, hydration specialist. Um, yeah. Yes, hydration specialist, whatever. Anyway, basically, he, you come to the show, he's basically the butt monkey of the team, all the players are pulling him. But, you know, Ted sees a lot of potential in him and, and kind of brings out his confidence and in turn learns more about the game as a result of kind of forming that relationship. And nice. I don't know, it's, there, there's, that's just one in, a, in many examples of all these characters are pretty well written and I'm super invested. So, uh, yeah, definitely cash for me. Uh, the only downside is that it's on Apple TV Plus, so not as accessible as, say, Hulu or Netflix or something like that. But if you have access to the service, definitely that would be one of the first shows I'd recommend to watch. Okay, Mitchell, what would you say, cash or trash? Oh, cash, 100%. Um, in dollars and in pounds and in euros, whatever you want to pay this thing <laughs> in, give me some cash on Ted Lasso. They are doing a season two, uh, so don't want to spoil it for Andre and Jill, but they set themselves up nicely for an additional season. Um, Excellent. And I think the uh, I'm just very eager to head over to London again and hang out with Ted Lasso for another 10 episodes. It sounds exciting to me. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame that it's COVID times because this really put me in the mood to watch um, soccer, uh, football. I like it's one of those sports that I do genuinely enjoy and look forward to whenever the World Cup is coming around. So. There's still yeah, soccer. Now I just want to go watch a soccer game. Do you want to watch in person though? Is that the difference? Um. Yeah, I've never been to a live um, soccer game before, and oh. uh, isn't there 
a soccer field right near Colt Park. Yep. Oh yeah, they just they just so, opened it up. Never just opened it up. So yeah. it's like, oh, when COVID is in the rearview mirror, it'll be fantastic to go and watch and have a day. I was actually talking about that yesterday with one of my friends going to soccer games. Oh, and, I, and I forgot that we had one here, but we do. So we should go to a game, friends, whenever this is Yeah. Whenever we'll we can. Uh, so, right. Jill, what did, what did you bring to the table for Cash or Trash? Um, what I'm bringing to the table is the newest film from Owen Wilson and Sama Hayek. It is called Bliss. It came out, I think, two weeks ago. It is available on Amazon Prime. And disappointment is what I would call it. <laughs> um, some people might be familiar with this film from its trailers, which look rather compelling. Um, Owen Wilson is playing a character who's living in a rather drab world. He runs into Selma Hayek's character, who basically tells him everything around you is not real, but you are. This is all a simulation, and it kind of goes off from there. Um, I, I told Mitchell this. The reviews for it are not kind. It's not doing ra- rather very well. I'm actually looking it up right now on IMDb to see how low it is. Um, but the user reviews are interesting. Quite a few people are actually praising the film for its depiction of addiction, which, you know, that's not some, you know, a hidden metaphor that you have to be looking with a, you know, a microscope to find. It's very, it hits you in the face with how much, how much of a metaphor it is about addiction. Um, and I'll give it that, that it is, you know, it, that component works. It's just disappointing how we get there and the lazy world building and it just, this movie is one giant plot cul-de-sac. It does not go anywhere. Plot cul-de-sac. Okay. I've never yeah, heard that never term, heard, but I love that. never heard that term before. Never. Yeah. I, I, I'm not taking credit for coming up with it. Um, but uh, yeah, it is a plot cul-de-sac. There, there was two out. terms on the show that I've never heard before. The plot cul-de-sac and then Mitchell, or uh, no, Andre, um, you said plot I was... Uh, no, that as well. But that was a different show that I've heard that. Um uh or andre why do i keep saying mitchell andre was saying earlier i was very whelmed yes Yes. very whelmed (laughs) and that that was another term that is an andre classic uh jill i give you the plot cul-de-sac that's pretty good (laughs) um so uh, review wise on imdb it's got a 5.3 out of 10 um so it's very much hitting in the middle of the road so that leaves yeah. you with cash or trash. What oh, do you is, decide? This is, it is absolutely trash. It's absolutely refreshing to see Owen, Will, Owen Wilson in a film again. Selma mm-hmm. Hayek is always great to see as well. It, this is just middling and disappointing and lazy. Like, if you do decide to watch this film, you're going to get to a point where you find out kind of everything that's going on and why it's happening. And when you get to, like, the explanation, mm-hmm. it is so... Like, oh, I want to wring this movie's neck. That is so stupid. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll tell you when we're not recording what it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, especially because, yeah, I'm probably yeah. not going to check it there out. There are other movies <laughs> out there that do a plot like this. You can find better films. Okay. So, trash. Um, so, that, I guess that brings me to mine. Uh, mine is uh, Willy's Wonderland, the new Nick Cage movie. Uh, I You're rented it. it. Huh? <laughs> It's, he's your favorite. I do love Nick Cage, actually. I know. 
And I'm very excited to hear what he did next. Yes. So Nick Cage in this movie. What's that up to now? Nick Cage in this movie says zero words. Zero. The entire like movie. All the people who hated Mad Max because the women talk too much, they'll, they'll like this movie. The entire movie, Nick Cage says nothing. Wow. And okay, it, that's a choice. I mean, he gets some primal yells, but I don't count that as words. Because it's not. So, silent video game protagonist. <laughs> yes, he is a silent video game protagonist, and that is a great way of putting it. So, his car breaks down uh, in this town. Uh, he has to pay cash to get it fixed. Um, he doesn't have cash, and there's not an ATM in this entire town. So what is he going to do? Well, the sheriff suggests, what if he goes works at Willy's Wonderland? Basically, he just has to spend an overnight cleaning the entire Willy's Wonderland before it reopens. What you... Why does this feel okay. like a game? No, uh, man. I'm just saying, like, sorry if this is just like a very... Oh, yeah, okay. Yes, Five Nights but at Freddy, the movie. this is just a knockoff adaptation of Five Nights at Freddy's, it seems like. Yeah, it is very much so. And I think that's the reason why he doesn't say anything, is I think mm. they, like, like sprinted out this script and said, okay, we're doing this before the Five Nights at Freddy's movie comes out. Which is supposed to oh. be a thing. Cause it's been yes. I didn't even know yeah. there is supposed to be a Five Nights Oh, there's Freddy's been movie. talking about it for a very long time. Oh, my God. So I was okay, actually, I thought that's what this was. was like, oh, Scott Coughlin. Cause I think, or Cough- yeah, the guy who does Five Nights at Freddy's, Scott. Scott Coughlin, yeah. Yeah, yep. maybe he was like, you know what? Too much, too much to deal with. Let's just start fresh. And it's Willy's Wonderland. Yes. But, uh, so, Willy's okay. Wonderland, basically the uh, animatronic animals come to life and they demand a human sacrifice um there's some high schoolers involved that get sacrificed as well uh the town is all in on it um you learn a lot more yeah you learn a lot more as you go into it um i'm going to have two ratings for this film so the the first one is cash it is exactly what i wanted it to be you don't go in expecting an Oscar winner. You're not getting an Oscar winner. But when you want to just see Nick Cage go to town being a weird character, destroying animatronic animals, you got the movie. Like, that. that is the film. The second rating for it is because of the high rental price. It was 20 bucks to rent this for 48 hours. Whoa. 20 bucks? If I didn't really want to see it, I would not have spent that money. And he didn't tell me he spent that much money till mm-hmm. just a second. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I thought this was available on Netflix or something. I didn't realize it was doable. No, you had, to, you, had to pay for it. you have to pay for the rental. When it falls down, I would highly suggest seeing it um, when it's free or when it's like maybe five bucks. Five bucks, I would be okay with like a 48-hour rental period. This was 20 bucks for a 48-hour rental period. Um... I'll be honest, I was half in the bag and just decided this was a good idea. I was doing one of our uh, hashtag boozing and tweetings. And then I was doing it on The Princess Bride, which is fun because I haven't watched that one in a long time. It's such a good movie. Um, Yeah, if you you sign on to our Twitter, trust me, you want some of these boozing and tweetings because I picked some fun movies. I've done Batman and Robin. I've done Princess Bride. I've done uh, Eurovision. Oh, that was Shrek. me last night, actually. Yeah, Jill did Shrek. Um, Jill Shrek. also did Cats. Oh, God. Yes. Oh, I do not love Cats. Yes. Cats was... 
Ooh. But make sure you're following her Twitter for that because honestly, it, it really that it's it's some fun stuff. I like to interact with people as I'm doing it. Um, but so I was like half in the bag when I finished Princess Bride and just said, you know what? I wanted to see Willy's Wonderland. I'm gonna drop the money. I would not spend twenty bucks on it again. So I don't blame you for saying that. Yeah. yeah. So it is very much trash for the twenty buck rental cash for the five buck rental or lower okay okay and again don't expect a great movie it's exactly what you want for a stupid action movie where nick cage says nothing and is just ridiculous and gives out these primal yells of just ah! yeah I, I, but funny enough the fact that he doesn't say anything does actually make the movie a bit more interesting to me <laughs> right just, i wonder how they like yeah uh yeah yeah, no, it's it's definitely sorry. Uh, we were we were distracted over here. Um, somebody just got engaged. Congratulations to them. I can't actually see the picture, so I don't know exactly who. I'm a distracting presence. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I've been Claire. Yeah. Oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Congrats. It's only been over a year. Fifteen minutes, babe. Oh my God! Stop. Um, so. That'll do it for this episode of Game for a Movie. We appreciate you listening. Uh, I have been your host, Mike. I've been joined by... I'm going to Claire first so you guys can see... Claire! Uh, then our Andre. order. Jill. Mitchell. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time on Game for a Movie where we ask, are you game for a movie? It's cash or trash. It's cash or trash. Does it belong in your wallet? Or in the trash, it's cash or trash. I, I love how you're running. Oh, okay. I love how you're running. <laughs> I'm, not a, with, I'm not a good songwriter. Yeah, you just went trash with trash. I, uh, I, I went to the Lil Wayne school of rhyming. Uh, <laughs> it's a Wayne ass. Yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> I like it. Fire.